And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. We talk about a lot of stuff here on the show, and what we don't talk about enough is rock and roll. And our band startups, because if you've listened to the show long enough, you know that I certainly think that they do. I even participated as a co-author in a book that will help support that theory. And that's who today, that's who's bringing us today's episode of Startup Hustle. So today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by The Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career, written by Joel Cummins and myself, Matt DeCourcy. That's also who I've got in studio as a guest today. And we're going to talk all about that and the many, many changes in the live music scene. So let's just jump right in. Joel, welcome back to Startup Hustle. Matt, it is great to be back here in beautiful Kansas City, Kansas. We've got a lovely fall day. I'm looking at the, uh, you know, the nice trees outside. So uh, I'm just happy that you finally have an office with wind. Yeah. <laughs> It's really funny because that really was one of our goals. The last time you were on the show, you came to our other studio that was like a bunker in a basement. So yeah, we're moving up, man. We're moving up. The, now, the view that we have from our window, it's exactly okay. And, and, that's, and I'm all right with that. And didn't you actually have an album once called Local Band Does Okay? We did. We had, uh, that, uh, that album was one of our, I think it was our third one that we really put out, uh, but has some Humphreys McGee tracks that, that people seem to really love. So, and for those of you who uh, don't know who I am, I play keyboards and Humphreys McGee, as Matt mentioned, I've uh, written a book with him. Uh, that, that pretty much uh, is the extent of my expertise, everything else. I'm, I'm really just, just going for it, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, we were here a couple of years ago, I think right around when the book came out. Is that, is that a little secret? after a little, a little after, after yeah. yeah so uh you know a lot has changed in the music industry a lot of things are uh, still the same and a lot is um you know kind of in in between those uh those worlds of getting back to normal and still figuring out you know how are we going to uh put on live music concerts with uh with a pandemic that's still happening i i think you guys were here two years ago in the pandemic in october two years ago and the pandemic came a few months later and threw okay. everything into turmoil. And, you know, let's talk about that for a second. Cause you know, for, for you and I, um, I don't like to say we're old, but we're experienced and, you know, we've seen a lot, I've seen so many different cycles of the music industry. And for those of you listening before I was an entrepreneur, I used to work for Roland and Roland's the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. So I was, Wow. As the Roland sign falls over in the studio. Wow. That is uh, that's some, mysterious, Man, and, some mysterious stuff. And that right really there, was the sound of a Roland sign falling over in the studio. <laughs> you, We couldn't have scheduled that any better. Oh my gosh. Is that like an omen? That's weird. I, I think, think we're going to go viral. 
Maybe. Unfortunately, none of the cameras I have pointed at has caught that, so you'll have to take my word for it. But It's like the hole-in-one in golf when you're playing by yourself. Yeah, that true. It really happen. I, I've had so many hole-in-ones as a golfer that no one saw. Um, <laughs> and you know a funny fact? Do you know that my wife, Jill, had hit a hole-in-one once and didn't tell me about it or mention it till we had been together for four years? And after she told me that, I was like, who are you? Like, what else are you hiding? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that is that's a big hide. That's for sure. That, okay, there's no way we could ever reproduce <laughs> what happened there. That was weird. Okay, so it, you talk about like different cycles in the music industry, and we've done different shows with music startups and stuff like that. And you know, I mean, I grew up. I remember having like eight tracks and 45 records, and we went through CDs, and all of a sudden that was the way to make music. And then it went back to live music. And right before the pandemic, it seemed like it was a really amazing time for touring acts to go out and make money on the road. And then it was gone. Yeah, it was, uh, things were going very well for us, um, through the beginning of 2020. And we, you know, we've kind of been on a very slow growth chart. We've been a band for 24 years. We have a ton of albums and lots of live recordings out there. So, um, you know, we built up fan bases around most cities in the United States over that time. And, um, even do a couple international events. We've got one in Iceland coming up. We've got one in Mexico coming up. So we've done quite a bit of stuff, but we've relied on live touring for every, almost every, you know, channel of income that we could find from merchandising to, you know, VIP events, things like that. We, tr this is, this is where we are supporting ourselves. And so for that to, uh, to disappear suddenly is obviously a really, bad thing. Um, and we individually, I think, kind of tried to make some moves to, uh, to keep the fan base engaged. And, you know, we did play quite a few live streams in the beginning of it when everything was shut down for people that were stuck at home just to give them some entertainment. Um, individually, a couple of us in the band did some solo stuff from our homes. Uh, you know, I, I did stuff with piano and synthesizers, um, all kinds of various stuff. Brennan was doing, playing songs on guitar and playing some piano and singing. His wife, Annie, was singing too. Like it was kind of a, a cool little thing. It was called Wine Not. These are all on YouTube. Mine were, uh, um, I did some on Wednesdays and I did like live from the living room. I think we called that. I did some on some Friday nights, but I probably did about 35 or 40 free live public streams during that time. And we took some donations and that ended up being a really important source of income for our family during that time and you know kind of just allowed me to remain focused on music which was really important and just kind of trying to stay sane you know this it was i think mentally a very taxing time for a lot of us and that the results of that are still kind of bubbling up we're still feeling these things and you know the anxiety or the the uh, frustration you know that that could happen uh, from anybody who's doing a business that suddenly had this, you know, huge jolt thrown into and everything stopped. So um, it was a lot of adjustment. And, you know, now we're kind of back out and playing concerts again, and just kind of doing everything we can to play. We, we want to play music, we want it to be safe for our fans, though, too. So, um, you know, it's a bit, it's been a tricky time to figure out wherever we go, what are going to be the things that we can do and what are the, going to be the things we can, you know, to try to help 
fans feel safe coming and, you know, experiencing live music indoors again. I understand that's a challenge, you know, and I think it's made me a little nervous too, but we're, we're out here trying it. You mentioned the anxiety and, you know, we've talked about that a lot on the show. Um, there's, uh, there's a term called founder's depression that is often thrown around in the startup community because as a founder or a business owner, you're thrust into a different role. Like basically when things are going well, if you're a good leader and founder, then you find a way to make it everyone else's success and not necessarily yours. And then when things are bad, you have to find a way to hold it all up on your shoulders. And for me through the pandemic, and I mentioned on the way over here, you know, 220 employees worldwide and families. And that created a lot of anxiety for me was just wanting to hold on. And I lost a significant amount of money doing it, but bounced back. When you say anxiety, was that more so from like not being able to have the creative release or play shows? Or was it more so of just like not knowing when it might end or something different? Oh, I think it was absolutely both of those things. Um, my wife works in the music business as well, and we have sustained a very busy schedule traveling, working, you know, I've wanted to play as much as I can. And it's just, it's something that we we've loved and something that gives us joy. So the absolute shock of feeling like we're going to be home for an indefinite amount of time was, um, it was, it was really strange. And um, and devastating and upsetting. And, um, you know, when you didn't have a choice about what you were going to get to do after doing this for so long. Yeah. And then the performance part of it, um, and just the, I mean, it was such a longing for hanging out with my friends and getting to play music with them. And, you know, like my, my brain went there. I was like, wow, there is a chance we're never going to play together again. Something is going to happen. That's going to prevent us from like, we played our last show. You know, that thought crossed my mind and that was incredibly upsetting. Right. But I had to acknowledge that as a possible reality and be prepared to do something else. Right. Um, fortunately, that wasn't the case. And those we, we had a three month period where we didn't see each other as a band because we live all over the country. I live in Los Angeles. A couple guys live in Chicago, Nashville, Charleston, South Carolina. So we're all over. Right. And it was, it was just such a, you know, I saw other bands too that were getting together and playing and it was, I mean, it was like heart wrenching for me. I love these guys and we love playing and making music together. And it's been something that we've done, you know, we've played over 2,500 concerts together. And so to have that ripped away emotionally was really hard. Like I've shed tears about it. You know, it was, it was like, <laughs> That I, that's never happened before. I mean, I guess we've also never taken that large of a break, right? So to have that forced on us and then, you know, just a you know, little silver lining to it. When we finally did get back together, we got to go to uh, our guitarist, Jake Seninger's studio in Niles, Michigan, a place where we've created music for years. And it was such a special and moving thing to just be in the same room together again. Um, so there, there's certainly a greater level of appreciation for what we're doing. And I was, I was talking about this with Jake today. Um, there's a greater appreciation for by the, like the first note of a concert when it happens, 
how much went into getting to that point. Like there were so many things that needed to happen and to go well for the show to actually start. And so, you know, there definitely wasn't an appreciation for that before, you know, we were running like a well-oiled machine, which in a way is a good thing. Right. But I think there's a little extra meaning and a little, and I think this goes for the musicians as well as for the fans who are coming to the shows. It means a little more now. Yeah. So I was able to see you. I've been in the habit of seeing you guys play live once to three or four times a year for close to 15 years now and um, got a chance to bring my daughter to Red Rocks for your show the day before my birthday. And that was her first like big concert experience. Yes. I was in a second in the second row center with a six and a half year old at your show, but I felt emotional just because I was like, I, and you know, music has been such a big part of my life as a listener and just any of it. And to it, it felt like it had been ripped away. And I've seen so many comments from your followers and fans that say the same thing, you know, like they're, Hey, if, getting to go to my first show and forever. And God, I needed this. I wanted it. Like, where was it? And, and, you know, the, and there were, I went the final year before the pandemic, you know, here in Kansas city, went to about 80, I went from going to 80 to 85 events a year locally to none. And I was like, wow, where, like the, the, the silence was deafening in some regards. And, uh, and it was, and I imagine that felt the same for you. So from, from a, a did you have another comment? Yeah, well, I was just going to say it's that's definitely something that I thought about quite a bit. And in particular, something that was missing from a lot of our lives was these random interactions that sometimes can like bring joy to your day or or something that would, you know, be a part of your career or part of, you know, what you're doing. And we were all missing these random things that would happen that would kind of help add meaning to our day. I think that was something I realized that was really, really tough as, as we were going. So that was, that was my comment. So as, as a band, um, so much, and for those of you that aren't familiar with Joel's band, Umphreys McGee, you can go to umphreys.com and learn more about them. Um, it's progressive rock, which jam as many people call it. And, I think it's the hardest kind of music to play because it doesn't have a owner's manual. It's not like we're playing this <laughs> note on the th- at three minutes and 14 seconds and don't play any other note other than that. Did you have a difficult time getting back into that or did 24 years and a little, did you shake that off and just kind of jump back in? Well, first off, I want to say there's far more complicated music than, uh, than what we're playing. Although we have been known to do things that are complicated for complicated sake. So, um, but, uh, I was nervous about that. I was really nervous about going three months and we had one day to play together and then we were going to live stream. And as it turns out, it, it felt like it could have been, you know, three days since we played. It was it was kind of a crazy feeling. I was really nervous that, you know, and I've been playing a lot of the Umphreys tunes. I mean, probably 50 of the originals of the catalog. I just started playing on the uh, live streams, you know, things that Brennan or Jake would sing and just try, you know, the ones that I could pull off by myself, trying to play some of those just to give myself a little challenge, you know. But um, it was easier than I thought it was going to be. And we played better than I thought we were going to play. 
And I think a lot of that is just the result of us. It's like total reps. We have played together now for so long. We've played so many shows and we've had so many rehearsals and uh, so many sound checks. And, you know, we all know what it feels like. So to get back on that horse was probably easier for us than for a lot of people. I think it was, you know, it's just like it's baked in our DNA at this point. Uh, how to play together as Humphreys McGee? Well, that's good. That's a what? That's yeah. a that's a functional team yeah, in that regard. Yeah. Let, let's talk. You mentioned something about practice, and um, you know, over the last five or six years, I've you know, you were first interviewed in my book, Balance Me, and uh, we were talking about just life balance and different stuff. And at that same time, I gained this fascination for figuring out how high performers perform the way that they do. And actually your bandmate, Jake Seniger was as someone I've had conversations with this about Jake's world-class all day. And, and the thing is, is, is he'll tell you the same thing. It's reps, it's practice. I might have some talent, but it's nothing if I don't grind down to it. So did you, did you really, did you practice and put in a lot of reps like while you had a year and a half to do it? I probably played the acoustic piano more than I've ever played in that in a year and a half period. So yeah, I did. It worked out. That part was great. And, you know, um, my wife and I have a three-year-old daughter now and an eight-month-old little boy who wasn't around yet at that point for the pandemic. But uh, yeah, so the home life became family time and let me get back there on my instrument and play as much as I can. So I learned some pretty tough classical pieces that I've always wanted to uh, pick up. Um, some uh, Claude uh, Debussy stuff that uh, that was really challenging. Homage à Rameau, uh, Mouvement, which is the uh, two pieces of the uh, Image uh, Series 2, I think. Um, but those, those were really fun. Those were challenging. Um, I did uh, a Chopin piece. It's uh, his famous uh, etude in E major. And, you know, I, I won't say I got that to the level of like professionalism, but I spent a, you know, a few months on it trying to figure it out. A couple Beethoven pieces that I've, I've always wanted to really, uh, really sharpen up. So, um, yeah, it was, it was cool. I did a lot of classical stuff. I, I picked up some, uh, some other uh, jazz tunes that I was working on. I did uh, a bunch of writing, mostly in the context of stuff for the new Humphreys McGee album that's coming out. Um, did a bunch of recording, uh, got it set up so I can record from my house, which is pretty amazing. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people have home studios, but mine is in about an eight by 10 foot uh, room. So it's very tight in there and, and we got it set up so I could, uh, you know, I could get some stuff done. Um, so yeah, I did try to take advantage of that. And I feel like being home, I got it. You know, another thing I should mention, and this goes back to balance me. I feel like I got into a very healthy routine at home, um, which I'd never really had because I was always traveling so much. So this gave me the opportunity to, you know, now that I'm a dad, uh, I get up early in the morning and. You know, I, I learned how to, uh, I, I, I can be an asshole barista now. Um, so I can make some lattes, cappuccinos, you know, espressos, 
Uh, sorry, this is now rated PG-13. It's okay. Yeah. We mark all episodes explicit. Explicit. Yeah. Okay, good, good. That won't be the last thing. Um, but what's the Chappelle show that used to be on DVD? And it's like, if you ever passed out with that on, you got to listen to Better Not Bring Your Kids. Like over <laughs> and over and over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm saying that because a friend told me about that. I've never actually, you know, passed <laughs> out on my couch with that on. And I'm not <laughs> can you actually like make the little leaf and the... Can you do drawings with the foam as a barista? Oh, yes. Wait, what are you talking about? Yeah, I I can. You know, they're mostly hearts because I'm making drinks for my wife. So, you know, a lot of hearts. Uh, I I do need to figure out, you know, maybe like the little Nirvana, like the X's with the eyes and the smiley face and the cigarette. That'd be a good one. Um, (laughs) All right. So if you can actually do that with foam or really anything i'd love for you to send that picture in to us okay. at startup hustle no okay. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging the listeners as well there's I, someone out there that can do it i get home on monday i'll do it tuesday tuesday with, morning. With, <laughs> i'm looking forward to that i'm we're, we're going to turn that into an nft and that will be how you make <laughs> that's how you really will become wealthy joel so uh, okay. congratulations okay. So, once again with me today i've got joel cummins joel is one of the co-founders and the keyboardist and Umphreys McGee. Go to Umphreys.com to learn more about what they're doing and check out a show with the band when they come we're through your town. We're back on tour. Yeah, yeah. back we at it. Yeah. Put out a bunch of new tour dates too. So we're hitting a ton of places on the East Coast, the Midwest. We're, uh, we're, when is this coming out? Some soon. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. you probably missed November tour then. Sorry. Guys. Probably it's too late. Yeah, part of it. Yeah. But uh, you can come to Miami Beach for New Year's. Yeah, and that's yeah. always a, that's a good time. Yeah. That was one. Of, those have been some of my favorite shows. That uh, I've never been in a room that dropped ten thousand balloons on people. Uh, that You're was welcome. that was fun. Yeah, You're that, was fun. that was uh, fun. So to just wrap up that final final thought back there, the the routine thing. Um, so I got in the habit of you know waking up, make myself an espresso, go outside, um, do you know probably an average of 45 minutes of yoga uh, outside in the morning, which I live in Santa Monica, California. So most days are pretty, pretty amenable to that. And then, you know, maybe play a little music, like whatever. I not trying to make any judgments. Sometimes I'll write something then like come up with a little riff and write it down. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'm just going to play, you know, I love playing over the Miles Davis team flamenco sketches. So that's one of my favorites to just sit down and work on, you know, I'm playing in different keys. I get to solo, be a little creative. Um, but that morning time for playing is, is like non-judgment time. So yeah, then I do the yoga, then I go get my daughter up and, you know, feed her breakfast. And then it's about like serving others for a while. And then in the afternoon, after I put her down for a nap, then it's music time again. Then I go back and play a little more, do some teaching. If, uh, if, if that's what's happening, I picked up about 10 or 11 students, I would say that were regular students over the pandemic. And I'm still teaching a few of them now, but just not quite as regularly, but, um, you know, making sure I have time in the day for all the things that were important to me. And it's amazing how quickly home life filled up. And I'm like, wow, don't have any more to like eating dinner and like, maybe hang out for another half hour, an hour, and I'm ready to go to bed at like 10 o'clock, you know, which is not very rock and roll. That's not when I'm going to bed <laughs> when we're out touring. I think rock and roll is whatever you decide you want it to be. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that the whole premise of it? And maybe we wrote our book like a year and a half too early. 
because, uh, yeah, I thought about some of that while I was uh, in quarantine at home. You know, you mentioned like getting back out on stage and that's something I'm going to get to experience soon with going back to the Philippines. And my very right. last trip there was uh, I left on the last like the last day that you could leave. I almost got stuck there. I don't I, even know if I you remember know, that. Maybe I remember, you, do know, yeah, yeah. You, you told me about that. I mean, that I, those last couple of days were crazy. And the scenes at the airports were giving me like, yeah. there's another example of giving me anxiety being like, Oh my God, oh, dude, I was, like? I was calling home and telling my family, I'm like, this is going to get really real. And you know, like on that side of the world, they were a couple of weeks ahead. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, another thing, too, is is that parts of Asia, I mean, they've had the bird flu and a bunch of other, other different things and SARS and stuff like right. that. And they seemed a lot more equipped to handle it. And we got a different dose of it. So uh, one other thing I wanted to remind everyone, Joel and I wrote a book and it's called the, Real, the Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career. You can buy it on Amazon and it's available on in the Audible store and uh, on any format pretty much that Amazon provides at this point. Yep, so yep. And we're also going to sign hundreds of copies of that today. And we're not even sure how we're going to distribute those yet. Maybe on freeze.com. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. The, the, the world is our oyster for distribution. Yeah, um, true. So uh, the, the book also features, I mean, you know, Matt is a big star here on the, uh, the startup hustle. So we, we know that, but um, you know, some great musicians and people in the music business, Huey Lewis, um, Susan Tedeschi, Taylor Hicks, Victor Wooten, Ivan Neville, Jeff uh, Coffin, Jeff Coffin. Yeah. Um, so we tried to talk to a lot of people in the music business, uh, Pete Shapiro, who is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a great promoter trying to get some different angles of, um, you know, what people's experiences in the music business are, because there are really a lot of different ways to succeed, um, in, in doing what you're doing. And, I think that there are also a lot of mistakes that many of us make <laughs> and uh, you know, there, there's so many ways that you can go wrong. It's really valuable to see examples of, you know, people making good decisions or bad decisions that take them, you know, one of, one of two ways, but um, it's really for anybody, you know, if you are just uh, uh, somebody at home that is playing for fun, you're going to find some, uh, info there. If you want to, you know, start recording yourself or, you know, putting stuff, uh, online, uh, or if you're somebody who wants to do it more seriously for a career, I think there's a lot of helpful and useful info about it's not just for, it's not started. just for performing artists. Like you, you start you alluded to that a little bit, you know, the, the, the music industry is much like an iceberg. Like you, Joel, you're at, you're in the, at the tip of the iceberg and that's the part that people see on musicians on stage. And, you know, 95% of the music industry is, is subsurface in that regard. Like I mentioned, having worked for Roland, like, and that was a great job in the music industry. It's because I have no talent as a musician, but I have a love for the products that they make and the output yeah. and the joy that it's they It's great that you recognize that early on. Yeah, that I have no talent right, as a musician. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I saw Jake play guitar and then I quit. I was like, okay, so if that's what you need to do, then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to being a salesperson or doing something different. But, but but you know, you can you can have a career and work in the music industry, and I'm seeing that. Like we've had past guests, we had Matt Ford, who's the founder of Prism.fm, which is a touring. Uh, assistance platform for artists, much like Humphreys McGee. And we've had all different kinds of 
of different startups on the show. And, uh, you know, so our band startups. Uh, I would say yes. I'd say in most cases, yes. Um, because you don't really think of a band as a corporate thing, right? Um, and all of these little, you know, bands and I mean, you could say you can make the argument for any sort of, you know, music creator, DJ producer, um, you know, these people's brands are in some cases also startups, yeah. right? I, I, I would really, I, I think that description makes sense. But um, looking at the larger picture, there are so many, if you love music and you want to have a career that's involved in music, there are so many different angles that you can look at from, uh, you know, working with an individual artist, working with a label, working uh, at a venue, working for festivals, um, you know, there, there are lots of different avenues where, you know, you can have a career that's rewarding and, you know, feel like you're, uh, you're being somewhat helpful. Um, and you know, I don't know, I think there, that's the thing. It's like, there are a lot of people who love music out there, but they, we can't have them all be musicians. We need some people to be fans. We need some people to be staff. We need, you know, we need some people to be working security and, um, if you like music, there are all these positions that you can do that I think would be a great living. So we've come up with a pretty simple definition for what a startup is over the okay. last 700 episodes. It's a business venture that doesn't come with an owner's manual. <laughs> and, Love it. you know, so if you open a franchise that comes with an owner's manual right. and a support line, right. pretty much anything you do entrepreneurial where you have to carve your own path, it doesn't mean it has like you're not the first band to ever be a band or play a concert. That doesn't mean you're not a startup because you got to figure it all out. And and, you know, and, and with that role, I mean, here's the thing, you know, shit flows downhill and uphill for the founder and you got to figure it out and you got, you learn a lot about yourself as a business owner. Um, what, what's something you've learned about yourself as a business owner? Well, I, before I answer that question, I, I want to say something else. Cause I think this was something I was just thinking back to, I was going to mention this earlier what was something that was really valuable for us that helped us carry through the pandemic time, mm -hmm. right? When we weren't working. And a couple of years ago, we hired this company, Catalano Catbour, um, to be our accountants and to help us with our finances. And that relationship turned out to probably be the most important one of the past year that we had established having somebody who knew what they were doing and was going to be willing to go through and put the hours in to help guide us into what the most, um, the, the best use of, you know, how we were going to proceed forward and make sure that the business doesn't go bankrupt. Right. And so I think, I think that decision and having those guys in our corner just gave me, if there was one thing that I was not anxious about, it was that. And we ended up making it through, you know, we didn't play in front of people again. We did four drive-in shows in 2020, I think. So we had a little bit of income from that, but I mean, nothing like a normal touring year, right? And by April of 2021, we were back playing concerts in front of people again. So the fact that they were able to kind of help us get there and also figure out what to do with our crew. You know, we all ended up having to go on unemployment for, uh, I think like eight to 10 months, you know, maybe a little longer. And that was, you know, I, it's like, I would have had no idea what to do. You know, all these years, all the things that we've worked on doing as a band, 
this had nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. And suddenly it was, you know, we had to make some decisions as a business or we were going to be in a lot of debt. So, um, I, I, for me, I think that's a really important thing to take away. If you are having some success and it, with your startup, whatever that might be, you really need to have somebody who knows what they're doing with money to help you make sure that you are putting things in the right places and taking care of people in the right way and also not putting yourself at a disadvantage. And we talk about that in the book. Um, you mentioned right. it, there's uh, so many of the topics of conversation on Startup Hustle have been centric around failure, not about success. Because once someone succeeds at something, sometimes it's hard to duplicate, meaning like someone's done it and it's not really that easy. So it's, you can't be like, hey, look, I did this and I got really, and I made a shitload of money doing it. And you're like, okay, well, you've done it. And now it's kind of ruined for everyone else. Meaning like, it's not, you're not the only one. And so you learn a lot more from failure as an, both as an entrepreneur and just someone that wants to be one. And, right. and the the majority of feedback that we've gotten from listeners, and thank you for so many, I, people have listened to this show in 190 countries. Like, thank you. You're welcome. It's yeah. mostly due to me. Was it you traveling? Yeah. And the, so 130 of those were you. And can you <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you a short list of places I need you to visit. I put startup so hustle. So we can get them all. I put startup hustle stickers everywhere. I like that. And that's also why I've been getting letters from local <laughs> governments and stuff. I'm going to need you to figure out how to do a show in North Korea because we're we're struggling for to figure out how we're going to put a check mark next to that one. Does it does it really have to be me, Matt? I mean, I, well, you said you were the one traveling. You're apparently the brand ambassador and out there. By the way, our plan for that is to get Dennis Rodman on the horn. Do you, well, do you remember the Zune player and its colossal failure as an MP3 product for Microsoft? Soft. Mm. We're thinking about. We think we can get a good deal on those, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna load them up with the whole startup hustle library, and then fly them in via helium balloon. Yeah, what a great plan. Yeah, we're working on it, man. There's, you know, we're here to help solve the really important problems, and that's actually what I want to kind of spend the last <laughs> segment of our show talking about. And you know, if you're a regular listener, you know we talk a lot about the fact that a business has a good business and a, a great business has to solve a problem. And I'm curious about what the problems are in the music industry that need to be solved because there's people listening to the show that are looking for something, looking for a solution to to try to work on. What do you think some of the things that, that, you know, what are the difficulties both for touring artists or musicians or like, it, I mean, it could be recording. I, I don't know. I mean, is there something that stands out? You know, it's, it's a good question. I think the, um, I think the hardest thing for any musician is to get someone through the door the first time uh, to come experience something. Um, because it costs, people are going to have to pay money, <laughs> you know, and, uh, that to me, I mean, it's specific to Humphreys McGee, I think that's always been a challenge of how do we find new people that might be interested in our band? Because I'm sure there are, you know, at least a few thousand people out there that if they knew about Humphreys McGee, they would be into it. How do you find them? You know? Um, so some, a lot of the playlist sort of options on, on, you know, music media these days, I think helps connect people. If you're interested in a certain genre of music, you know, get recommendations or, you know, a playlist is created based on this song or based on this artist. Right. 
So that is helping. I think it's probably easier to discover music now than it ever has been. For sure. Um, but it's still, I, I think, one of the biggest uphill battles is just how do you even get someone to know that you're playing in town or that, you know, this is happening? Obviously, acts that are really popular, they have a marketing machine behind them. And, you know, you'll see uh, billboards and there'll be ads on the radio. There'll be ads that pop up on people's phones when they're looking at something, right? Um, but to me, that is for someone that's coming up, I think that is the greatest hurdle. It's just, how do I get people through the door? How do I get people to know about what I'm doing? So I think that is a, uh, that's a constant problem that's going to continue, you know, for every artist individually that they need to solve. So, you know, you've just got to find ways to connect with people and, um, you know, and then the, the second hardest thing is getting someone to come back again and see you live after they've come the first time. Did you make it interesting enough that someone's going to say, I can't miss that when it comes back. And then after the second time, you know, do something different enough that they say the same thing. I got to come back the third time, you know, um, making fans is really hard. That is the, the single most, you know, I think the single biggest challenge to it. So for a band like Humphreys McGee, we're trying to do, you know, cool, challenging, exploratory rock and roll that, that has some improvisation with it. But we're also trying to have a, you know, just a good time for people to come and uh, have fun with their friends and, or forget about whatever else is going on in their lives, you know? So I think it's, I think it's important, you know, that's the main service that we deliver. We want to give people a, a fun night out where maybe they'll be challenged a little bit by music, but for the most part, it, it's a good time. It's fun. And it's, you know, it's something that's interactive and, and um, you know, and something that a lot of us have missed. I think that's one thing that it feels like it really should be a boon for the music business in the end is that taking that away from all of us, the performers and the audience and, you know, all the people staffing all these things really hurt a lot of us because this is something that is deep in our souls and it's an emotional experience to go to a concert and feel moved by the music and feel like, you know, it's bringing you this new energy or perspective that you can then go out in the world and, you know, do whatever it is you need to do. So I think a lot of that lost inspiration that we saw over the pandemic is coming to fruition now. And, and I, I really think that that's something that, you know, once we're a little more through the pandemic, that, that it's going to have such a positive effect on, on society and the world. There was something that you said to me a few years ago, uh, and that was very in Congress with what you were just talking about, it was related to tribe building. And you actually mm -hmm. recommended that I read Seth Godin's book about tribe tri called tribes. Um, I took that uh, to heart and really worked on building a tribe. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the startup hustle growth. Uh, we have a, on like a if you want to go to Startup Hustle Chat on Facebook, we're in there with about twenty five hundred different entrepreneurs that are interested in helping each other. And you know, you I think that that when I look back at some of the principles related to to music and compared to the podcasts, one of the things that you mentioned that was really powerful and really stuck with me, and I've talked about this in different episodes of this show, was you have to be selfless with your tribe building and try to create a world and community where the people in the tribe find as much value in the interaction with each other as they do with you. 
and yeah, and, yeah. and that yeah, yeah. and I really that that really I thought that that was amazing uh, and a, and a, and a real really good advice. And if you talk about like building, you want to build fans, followers. You really want to have evangelists that shout about you from the mountaintops. And the way to do that is to encourage that vibe. And what you said, one other thing with that, I mean, that stuck, you said, you can't, you can't get mad when they don't always say great stuff about you. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause the, you know, if, if it's, it's their, their take on what you provided to them, like maybe, I mean, some, Hey, look, I've had video. I put out a couple of videos recently about the trolls of the world. They exist, and you know what? Fuck them. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> and you just kind of move on. But yeah. there's something to be understood and learned from those around you. I mean, like, is that? I, I just really th- and I I've seen you and the other members of Umphreys McGee. And once again, go to umphreys.com and learn more about Joel's band. But you guys have been great with that. I mean, back to the, you talk about getting people in the door the first time. I've referred to your approach as open source marketing because you were encouraging people to come to shows, record them, and just distribute it everywhere. Yeah, and I, that's, right, that right. was genius because yeah. you mobilized a army of grassroots marketing that can be highly effective. Because if someone you know gives you, they're like, hey, listen to this. You're going to probably listen to you're, it more than- more, the, yeah. Or you might be in the car with them and you're forced to listen to it. So Yeah. Uh, that's but, most of the people. That's why most people that I know know on <laughs> <laughs> A lot of uncomfortable car rides. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the tribe building thing I think is really important because when you have people you know, below you that are as invested and as interested in being a part of something that's bigger than them. It, it's, you know, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Um, because we all want that. We all are just looking for connections with each other, you know, human connections and, and different perspectives. And that sort of interaction is rewarding. So when you can, when you can kind of build and construct um, you know, a, a startup or a band, whatever it is with this concept of like, let's, let's make something that is special and specific to us. It, it is a powerful thing for the people that experience it. And, you know, we, we take it a step further. We have an event called Umble where we source our fans for what is it that they want to hear from songs to, you know, improvisational ideas. Some of the stuff people will live text in what's going on. Truly, and, a truly interactive concert. Y- yeah, and that's super exactly, cool. That's super exactly. cool. So we do that typically like once a year. And that's something where we're taking it even a step further. And it's like, wow, like a fan is going to go home and be like, uh, you know, I, I uh, texted in this, this idea for an improvisation that was like Berlin 3 a.m. dance party. And they played it. And now there's this thing I can go back and listen to that's this eight minute jam that I love, you know, and it came from my head. Like that's, it's kind of a cool thing that I don't think too many other bands out there have done. So we've tried to, you know, come up with a few ideas that we feel like would be really special and specific to us. Another um, idea that we do at concerts and um, we started this probably 10 years ago. This was one of Kevin Browning's ideas that we eventually were able to bring to life. And who is but, Kevin? Uh, Kevin Browning was our original uh, sound engineer for Humphreys McGee and now co-manager. He's been co-managing since 2011 with Vince Iwinski, who's been our manager since the beginning. So 
Vince does uh, most of the touring business, the the day-to-day stuff on that end, and uh, kind of general, like overall big picture stuff. And Kevin is more of the, uh, you know, the social media, the tech, um, finding other outside sources of revenue sort of thing. Uh, so he's, he's kind of on that front. So we have a really great split of resources with two uh, super passionate guys about our music that have been with us from the beginning. Um, and, you know, that's, that's worked out great. But Kevin uh, came up with this idea that uh, how cool would it be at a concert if you could wear headphones and get the mix of the the front of house so basically like a left right uh mix and have it isolated so you could hear everything um so we were a little nervous at first that that would create a weird vibe with people wearing headphones at a show next to people who aren't um but it turns out now that people know what it is like a lot of people you know they would they would share them with somebody who didn't know what it was or like two people would get one set for the night and then they would go back and forth but it gives you this you know, you, you have a, a wireless pack on you, so you can just walk around and hear the mix in insane clarity, you know, and not that I encourage this, but, you know, you could go to the bathroom, could go get your friends a drink, you know, and still be able to hear the show. So it's uh, it's kind of a, uh, a fun little, you know, and especially people that are so into the music and they don't want to hear you know, anybody talking behind them or something like that, it gives you this super high end experience of the show. So we usually rent like, you know, depending on the size of the show, 20 to 30 of those uh, per night. And uh, it's been a huge, cool thing, something that's very unique for our band. And you guys used to be able to now, now you have things like nugs.net where you can stream your shows, which I love. I live on that, man. Jill was like looking through our expenses. She's like, what is this nugs.net thing? Can I cancel this? It's like, if you want me to go crazy, cancel that. <laughs> but, I, but that's been a, gr- a great avenue to share music. But prior to that whole world, you could come to your shows and leave with the show on a CD at one point. I remember you guys yeah. had those big towers right, burning right. them. And, and, and so here, here's the point. As an entrepreneur, look for ways to... Look, these are all things that people... I, I just know because I was one of them that loved that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, we used to be able to like 30 minutes after the show is over, you could walk out with yeah. CDs of it. And so now that's become, it's all digital. So nugs.net hosts all of our live concerts, uh, for audio and, you know, usually within 24 hours of a show happening that, you know, that show will be up there and you can, you can re-listen to it. So it's pretty quick turnaround. Um, our live streaming we've typically done with, uh, with tour gigs. We've used a few different companies, but you go uh, to tour gigs.com. Yep. Right? And, we're, and any, anywhere in the world you can watch Humphreys. Live, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the other cool thing that you can do now is you can watch it live. And then it's also after it happens on demand. And you can rewatch it then. So it's a pretty cool thing to get, you know, and a lot of people, like you said, it's time zones all over the place. So maybe you're able to catch some of it live, but, you know, you couldn't watch all of it. Or maybe, you know, you want to wake up the next morning and watch it. So it really gives the uh, the person who wants to watch it the freedom to do it on their schedule. And pants, cool. pants are optional for viewers, <laughs> right? Isn't that, yeah. I think that's actually one of the marketing lines on there. So once again, with me today, Joel Cummins, my co-author of The Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career. You can By find the way, it. great holiday gift. It is. Great it is. holiday gift. And it's not just for musicians. Like I think that there's a lot of people that have a passion for music and don't realize all the cool stuff they can do in and around the music industry. And I, you know, I've gotten feedback from people that, that read the book and loved it that don't even, aren't even considering 
a career in music, they were, they found it to be wildly interesting how certain parts of the music industry work. And actually like even just the planning, like what get like, I just drop one thing that just popped in my head. It's like, okay, if you're going to tour in the South, you probably need to be careful where you book a show on Saturday night during SEC football season. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> if you want yeah. to look out at an empty venue in Birmingham, Alabama, it's probably on a Saturday night, the, the Crimson Tide yeah, or something yeah, like exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. These, these are little things. This is the failure of entrepreneurship and the openness that I've come to realize that all great entrepreneurs share because knowledge isn't for you to keep. It's meant to be transferred. It's very important and it's very powerful. And I think some of the most redeeming moments that I have just in general is sharing and transferring that knowledge this is exactly what we do in the book. Joel, we're out of time because we got to go sign like 300 books. All right. Which means we need you guys to buy them. To buy them yeah. Them. yeah buy okay. them. Stop what you're all doing right. and buy the book. Yeah. Yeah. Just get, now the thing is, is you can't buy the signed one on Amazon. So buy the one on I Amazon think- and then email me or find <laughs> us somewhere. I don't know. We just, but uh, we will have these also on the, uh, the Umphreys McGee merch site. So you'll yeah. be able to get them uh, from there. Uh, and, and and if you see photos of the Startup Hustle studio and our office, and you notice all the really cool concert posters that are strewn around, those are Humphreys McGee concert posters. You can buy those at your site too. They're you, super you cool. Definitely, you definitely can. And if you come to an Humphreys show, we'll likely have them at the merch table. So that's True. also a, a good place to pick them up. True. I'm going to pick up a whole bunch of them tonight because I've got all of this wall space. What do you think of our new studio? Uh, it's like I said, it's fantastic. And man. it has Can- a window. Kansas City, Kansas is is hopping. And I, in all sincerity, I really do appreciate, Matt told me earlier, uh, some of the work they're trying to do to uh, to, to get this little downtown area back to a, a bustling corridor. And we're already seeing things happen. And I, I think it's really cool that uh, Matt is a guy from Kansas City, Kansas here, and uh, is, is reinvesting uh, in the community and, and helping make a difference and, and take something and, you know, just make it a little bit better. Leave it a little better than you found it. A little better, Dave. Do a little better tomorrow or today than you did yesterday. That was kind of what the whole book Balance Me was about. Joel, we're going to go do some work now, and then I'm going to deliver you back to where I picked you up from so you can get in the right state of mind to rock and roll tonight. I'm looking forward to that. Always a pleasure, Matt. We'll, We'll talk to you soon. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.